0: What's going on everybody hope you're all doing well it's uh 12 o'clock p.m est here in harrisburg pennsylvania about to do another interview today and i'm gonna switch it up a bit today uh which i'll talk about in a minute but i'm kind of gonna shoot off questions and just have them answer kind of like a, a rapid interview i kind of wanted to experiment with this and see what's if people like it um we're not. Um, some news about the course. Uh, we kind of held off for a little bit with the Adoption 101 course. It's been a little bit crazy, but I'm going to bring you guys some more information on that soon. Um, so keep in, uh, keep in touch with that. Keep t- Tune in, I guess, whatever the phrase is for stay tuned, I guess, I'm thinking of. Um, all right, we're about to go live. Lauren. Miss Miss Blar.
1: hey hello hey how's it going good how are you
0: doing good it's kind of still waking up but uh it's all good yes. um how do you pronounce your name uh miss Blar? mrs blower
1: Wow. Um, my, yep my name's lauren blower
0: okay cool nice to meet you so welcome to voices of the adopted uh for anyone who's new here uh, this platform is really meant to be a platform and an outlet for adoptees to voice out their perspectives, their struggles, their insights um, for whatever reason they want to, whether they want to promote self-awareness or help themselves come to a better terms with their own adoption story. It really doesn't matter to me. That's just a platform for you guys to use. Um, so that being said, I kind of want to do something a little different this time. I typically have a, uh, a less structured interview system but I kind of wanted to go off and answer every single one of my questions and if, if you're interested in doing that um, then we it might be interesting but let me know if it doesn't work out. Yeah we
1: can do
0: that. Okay cool well so what is, you just said your name what what's your name?
1: Uh, my name is Lauren.
0: Okay and What what's your passion Lauren?
1: Um, I actually am a hairstylist I've been cutting exclusively men's hair for, it'll be eight years this year. Oh. Um, so I would say that cutting hair, and um, I'm a big reader, and I adore my two dogs.
0: Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's cool. Um, so when were you adopted? What, what age do you know?
1: Um, I believe it was about two or three months. It took a little bit longer for mine. It would have been you know, right after birth, as is usual for most infant adoptees. But um, like I had kind of told you very briefly, my adoption was illegal. And um, my mom had actually planned not to go through with it after I was born. Um, so she had kind of taken some time to like get her stuff together, um, have the support of her family, and then... After a little, like, a few weeks, she had gone back to the adoption agency and told them that she wasn't going through with it, and at that point, the illegal threats occurred, and she was basically threatened into signing the termination papers, so that's why I was a little bit longer than the, you know, right-at-birth infant adoptee, if you will.
0: Right. Where where were you adopted from again?
1: Uh, this was in... I was born in Sioux City, Iowa. It was the Orange City branch of Bethany Christian services okay that I went through and then I was adopted to cedar Rapids Iowa
0: okay where where exactly is that
1: um, cedar Ra- or Iowa is in the in the midwest um, I'm in like eastern Iowa
0: oh, okay right wow that's interesting. so can you explain a little bit more? I'm kinda of already going off of uh <laughs> I don't think my structure is going to work because um, I'm interested in hearing more details about the legalness of it. Uh, I forget that. Yeah. Well, can you explain that again?
1: Uh, Well, of course, you know, coercion in general is illegal for any um, contract you're about to enter into. If you're coerced Mm -hmm. into it, it kind of makes it null and void, which is, of course, what goes on in most adoptions, including mine. Of course, you know, they made her feel like she was the worst thing in the world for me, you know, told her she was selfish if she didn't do it, if she didn't do it, she didn't really love me. Um, all sorts of things like that. And then of course, when she went to tell them that she wasn't going to go through with it, by the way, she all she had her full parental rights at this point. Still. Mm. Um she was this is back in 1991. She was told, was taken into an office, of course, they don't have cameras or anything, taken into an office where it was secluded and told, if she wanted to take me home, that she would have to pay Bethany back this exorbitant amount of money that they knew she didn't have, because, of course, they've been involved in her life the whole pregnancy. They know she lived in a small apartment. Hmm. Um,
0: I think you froze a little bit. Hopefully, you can hear me. Having some technical difficulties here. Uh, let's see if we can get her back. Well, oh, anyway, in the adoption one on one course news, uh yeah. Oh, she's back. Never
1: mind. Hi, sorry, I turned the Wi-Fi off. I don't know if that was the issue, but
0: okay. yeah, no problem. So um,
1: Sorry, I don't even remember where I was now. Where did I start? Where
0: did I cut off at? You were con- you were talking about uh, the hospital, I believe, um, with your adoption. Okay.
1: At the agency, when my mom uh, told them that she was going to take me home. Yeah. Um, basically, they told her that she had to pay them all this money, which, um, you know, she was young. I think she had just turned, she turned 20, uh, like a month after I was born. So she was young. She didn't know that this was untrue. For one, uh, she didn't have to pay any money. She is my legal mother. She had all her rights, but oh. it was illegal for them to say such a thing because you you can you can frame it as as an, another coercion, or you can frame it as a threat. But uh, it was illegal and did not give her a choice if you will. Yeah. She didn't have a choice to give me up. She was threatened, coerced and threatened to.
0: Wow. And when did you find all that uh, all that information out those details? What do you know what age you were?
1: I was in my mid 20s and I just found this out after I started coming out of the fog and telling her a little bit about that and then that's when she Told me that story and i think at that point we had been in reunion for probably seven or eight years seven or eight years mm. and she i don't know if she didn't think it was relevant or if it's too painful for, for her to say or she didn't want to give the pain to me i'm not sure but um that's when she told me probably four three four years three. three well, oh let's see i've been out of the fog for two years now i think it would have been about two years ago they
0: found out okay cool so obviously that was a huge turning point for you recently um do you remember any of your struggles when you were growing up and and how long have you known you were adoption or did you always know you were adopted
1: um so I was told when I was about I think I was three three or four and I remember being told Um, and what I remember most about it wasn't the words, but the fact that, um, the woman who raised me cried when she told me, also that's, I'll kind of use that term. I will not give her the term mother in any capacity. Um, but the woman who raised me cried when she told me. Uh, so that was my first kind of learning about adoption is that if we talk about this, it's, a sad thing, or it's going to make her cry. Mm. Um, I was told, you know, I think there was an occasion at a, a store one time, and some lady asked me. I know you can't tell now, but I have really, really curly hair. Okay. And the gal at the store told me she's like, "Oh, your hair's so pretty. Where do you get such pretty hair from?" And I go, "I'm adopted. I get it from my mom." And I was immediately, um, told, we don't tell people about that, you know, we don't, we don't want anyone to know. We don't want anyone to know. Um, so that's kind of some early learning experiences about adoption. It's shameful. It's a secret, Mm. uh, things like that. And so, you know, I don't remember exactly when I started to really grieve about my mom. But as I grew up, I would just, you know, in bed at night alone, cry and cry and cry, just wanting my mom. And of course, because of those other experiences, I knew I couldn't let anyone hear me. I couldn't tell anyone I couldn't go anywhere for comfort. For that it was just something I had to suffer by myself.
0: Mm. Okay, so since growing up, it sounds like one of your biggest struggles with adoption was your relationship with your, your caregiver. Yeah. Communication. Um,
1: Yeah. I just because I now know, uh, the woman who raised me is a narcissist. And so there was a lot of psychological abuse going on that I didn't realize until I came out of the fog was psychological abuse. Um, so, I mean, there's that. Plus, I mean, of course, all adoptees know in inside of us, we were there when we were giving to, giving to this strange woman, right? I think that just somehow, I somehow unconsciously held on to that. So, it's a mix of just knowing she's the wrong mother. Um, and then her being abusive, that just caused me to keep her at arm's length and I just not have a, a good relationship with her, if any at all. I would say we didn't have a relationship at all. She, I was provided food, a home. They were well off. So the image of our family was that we were loved and well taken care of with physical things. Uh, but behind closed
0: doors, it was
1: very isolated and abusive and
0: sad. Wow. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I, that can be rough. How did you know? Did was your uh, your caregiver uh, was she uh, diagnosed, or did you? How did you come across that uh, understanding of what narcissism is?
1: Um, once I came out of the fog, of course, I learned a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things is that many adoptive women tend to be narcissists. Um, And I, from there, I was like, okay, well, maybe that was part of the problem. And I I started reading more about it and going, okay, this is her, this is her, this is her. Um, Hmm. And just kind of from there, I just... Research narcissists in general, not just in the context of adoptive mothers, but adopt or uh, narcissists in general. And I'm going, yeah, this this is definitely what happened. This definitely makes so much sense, and that's where I kind of finally, um, with that information, and including a last kind of a last straw with her, of her overstepping my boundaries. I was able to make the decision to finally go no contact with her.
0: Hmm. How long ago was that? Um,
1: that was uh, also about two years ago. So I we, we've we had some small exchanges since then, uh, but for the most part have been no contact. And I, for the last, for sure, just over a year have been fully, she is blocked, we don't speak nothing. She's tried to send uh, a birthday gift to my house, which I just kind of had to ignore. Mm. But that's all.
0: What about? uh? Do you, what about your? How do you refer to your? Um, was there a father in, in the picture at all? Or
1: mm-hmm. the man who raised me, I guess we could say? Um, he was not as much the object of or the target of my rage, I guess, as mothers tend to be for adoptees, or our uh, imposter mothers tend to be. Uh, so and he was just kind of there. I mean, he he was the the abuser, the physical abuser, if you will. Mm. Um, but other than the physical abuse, like there's there wasn't. Much to our relationship, it wasn't like we we didn't hug each other. We didn't hang out. We didn't um, talk. Um, he was also an alcoholic, which I'm I'm not hating because I am as well, but that I think contributed to some of his perhaps why he was so aggressively abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he actually passed away when I was 24 from a massive heart attack, which I believe, I mean, it had to have been due to his drinking Mm -hmm. uh, and poor, just poor life choices in general, as far as health. Yeah. So he is actually deceased. Okay.
0: So do you remember besides the like obvious issues and struggles and um, really difficult circumstances with your, both your the woman who raised you and the and the uh man who raised you uh how was your childhood besides that those aspects with them that you can remember that you might have struggled with like maybe in a social context or just your feelings or perspectives of yourself your self identity or or anything else what what other issues did you struggle with as an adoptee uh, growing up
1: uh one of the biggest things i can that comes to mind with that question is just my social um social awkwardness shyness if you will i was very just just not a super social child i did have some just a few close friends but no one that honestly really stuck um that was a big thing for me Mm -hmm when I started uh, becoming an alcoholic, if you will, was to kind of relieve some of that feeling, the feeling of not fitting in anywhere, of not being able to talk to people like I felt my peers could. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess um, the other thing was, I did have one close friend I can think of in like late middle school, um, who we actually went to Elementary school, like through preschool together, but then she left the school, and then I eventually went up, winded up going to the school that she was at. Mm-hmm. We became really close then. And I just remember being very jealous always of her. You know, she was really bubbly and beautiful and talkative and social with other people, but not only that, I was jealous hugely of her relationship with her mom. Mm-hmm she and her mom were super close and loving and I remember her like you know we'd be together and I'd be talking to the woman who raised me on the phone and I'd just be like okay bye and she'd be like you don't say I love you I was like "Mm." she's like say I love you I'm like no I don't love her she doesn't love me so no
0: Mm. Mm. so would you say uh you 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 kind of struggled with What would you say more you struggled with making an emotional connection with other people other friends or just being like genuinely able to communicate with anyone and and be authentic and um, transparent with everyone or vulnerable and allow them to exchange like ideas and basic communication or was it more of an emotional disconnection with other people.
1: I don't know, I feel like it was probably a little bit of both, like one perhaps caused the other. It's like that thing that adoptees kind of think there's something wrong with them on the inside. They don't exactly know what it is, mm. but they feel something's wrong. And so they're like, I'm not going to fully be myself with anyone because I don't want anyone to find out what that is and reject me. Mm. And we kind of do that subconsciously, I think. And definitely now that I'm out of the fog, I can look back and identify that that's what was going on. Hmm. Um, I could definitely be myself more with friends than I could be at home. But still, it was never like a really let anyone in sort of thing.
0: Right. So it might—it <laughs> sounds like a natural fear of rejection then. Yeah,
1: of course. is what we all experience. And... Some of us are able to come come out of the fog and realize it for what it was hmm. stem from our initial abandonment um, and now now I can finally recognize it as that
0: hmm. so what what did you do, if anything, um, to kind of help yourself along your journey, whether it was when you were a kid growing up or an adult now? Um, I know one of the things is obviously cutting cutting uh, the woman who raised you off, but were there any Mm -hmm. other coping uh, strategies or did you talk to any therapists or what are some of the solutions that really helped you come to a better, more uh, stable foundation of yourself?
1: Um, So starting, I guess, with therapists, this is one thing that I think a lot of doctors have in common as well is that I was failed by at least three who were not able to identify adoption as a major factor or a trauma. Mm. Um, that's interesting. I was, I was put in therapy basically because they couldn't, my the people who raised me couldn't handle me. Um, they sensed that something was off or different or something, and they put me in therapy, and it was a waste of time and waste of money. Um, I am in therapy now with a therapist who is also an adoptee, and that's been the best thing to happen in so long, you know, it's a little bit of a financial sacrifice, um, of course, but so, so worth it. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm definitely thankful for for that being in my life now. Um, However, growing up, I just kind of had to white knuckle it. Uh, My friends were kind of an escape, but all the feelings that I had and the triggers that happened, I just, kind of had to suffer through. Mm-hmm. Um, I did use alcohol as a coping mechanism for many years. Mm-hmm. And then cocaine came into that picture as well um, in my mid-20s or so. Mm-hmm. So by the end of my active addiction, it was it wasn't just alcohol or coke. It was the combination of both of them that I had to have. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was my coping mechanism for, um, many years. And in some ways, you know, as unhealthy as it was, I feel like that saved me because I was inactive addiction and using through the death of the man who raised me, Mm -hmm. who, like I said, we didn't really have a relationship, but I was extremely upset by this. And now I can recognize that that was because it's kind of like a reliving of the loss of your, your mother. Sure. Sure. And I I don't know, for some reason I, I don't know if this is truly the case, but I feel like I would have died through that emotional time if it hadn't been for drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, and then I finally got sober just three years ago, yesterday. Oh, and yeah, right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And now have better coping mechanisms. Um especially through therapy. Um, I've gotten coping me- mechanisms through that as far as um, basically the, the, the method w- that we're using is reparenting your inner child yeah. where you were abandoned and alone and experiencing loss all by yourself. Now you are the the one to parent yourself through that. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: So that's, that's helped a lot.
0: Mm. That's great. Yeah. I definitely noticed, yeah, that's being your, a- I mean, so many people, whether adopted or not, have to uh, do a lot more inner child work and reparenting themselves and things like that. But especially for adoptees, it tends to be like the number one thing that we have to learn. Um, Because for me, I feel like, and a lot of adoptees, I feel like have always parented themselves in a logical way, um, in a perspective way, but not the emotional way where you have to like love yourself because it's like the whole love thing, <laughs> that tends mm-hmm. to be very difficult uh, for an adoptee, especially, I think, and people in general. But yeah, if you can learn how to be a parent in terms of the logical parenting, and then also the compassionate, loving, uh, forgiveness type of validated, in, in, internal validating parent within yourself, mm-hmm. then you should be set.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's a, like, when we are parenting ourselves through the grief that we know is there, but we can't name. I feel like for my for myself personally, it was a lot of, get over it. You know, it was the tough love. It was nobody cares, because that's what I learned. Nobody around me cared. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody wanted it to be a secret. Um, and you're on your own. And, and And I parented myself that way and grew up with that. And I guess that kind of got me through, but, um, yeah, it's the learning to give yourself the emotional love and comfort that you didn't get. Mm. That's a, it's a whole different way of doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So So you met, you said you've been in reunion with your biological mother and father or just mother?
1: Mm-hmm. Both. I'm still in successful reunion with my mom and uh, my siblings, and her her family in general. We're all good. Um, I've been in relationship briefly with my bio- my father. Um, I found my my family when I was 18. We briefly reunited when I was 18. I think until I was like 21, we were sort of in reunion, and then that failed due to boundary issues to kind of briefly sum it up and then uh, recently we reunited again very briefly and that has again failed for some for the same reasons we'll and, and, just put who, it that
0: way. and who is that with my father oh
1: okay So we're in we're estranged currently but I mean that's not really a big deal. Uh, the main thing is my mom and we are, we're all good and we have been the entire time. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. So how, how often do you, um do you get like, what's your relationship like? Is it pretty much virtual or you actually are within a close proximity geographically?
1: I wish we were closer. I mean, it's not that bad. We're about four hours away. So we're on opposite sides of the state. Okay. Um, so we don't get to see each other too terribly often in non-COVID times. It would be about two times a year, um, and then you know we text and sometimes we talk on the phone. Um, yeah,
0: okay. And everything is pretty good. That's neat. Yeah, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. let's see what what would what would you say um, your biggest fear of today is after going through everything you've gone through. Um, You know, do you have still a very strong fear um, Um, that you can identify? And if something were to happen, what would you think is the most scary circumstance?
1: Being probably being left again by, um, I guess in this case, it would be my husband, not that we have any issues, not that that's going to happen, but of course as adoptees, we fear that, especially if we were out of the fog and we know that it's gonna trigger that first loss that was, I mean, undescribably painful, Mm. when we know that that is how it's gonna feel if that happens again. Um, Mm. I think it's always a fear. so yeah it, i think that's if i had a name a fear that i still have that would that would be it and i don't think that's one that could ever go away
0: mm. yeah that's even, a... if,
1: even if it doesn't like even if it's not logical like we're good we are married and we're not getting divorced but something could happen and what if it does then it's gonna hurt like hell
0: you know sure sure yeah that's definitely an, an important fear and i think that was a great one to identify um, because I know for myself that can help explain all of my previous relationships that ended um, you know I, sometimes I joke around with my partner now i 'm like no don 't leave me <laughs> but I know subconsciously that it 's like yeah there's some there 's a huge truth to that uh, because deep down, like you said, I think for adoptees specifically, every time you give your heart to someone and that you develop a very Strong relationship, or even maybe not so strong, because i 've had friends and acquaintances that stopped talking to me, and it hurt just as badly sometimes as like if I had lost my ex girlfriend <laughs> so yeah. I think there 's a huge thing to be said about the fear of of losing a, a connection that was made, um, whether mm-hmm. it 's from you know a contractor that you pay to to help you with the house or a best friend or a a partner um, so i think that fear of losing a connection is very interesting too to to talk about discuss and dissect mhm
1: yeah because for me like i like i said i cut hair and like if i have a client who i realize oh, i haven't seen them for a while or do they hate me now have i done something wrong like did they you know it just triggers that fear of either they found out the thing about you that you could be left in the first place, or they're just leaving you, and it's devastating, yeah. even though it's yeah. really necessarily logical. It's just it triggers our first loss, and mm. it's terribly painful. And we're, I think, a, a lot of um, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid that feeling,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the uh, I guess it's like the if it had a a name, it could be considered like the adoption imposter syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so what, what would you, I think we covered everything I wanted to ask, but what, what would be your message to all biological parents?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know about, fathers as much, though so of course they, they matter too, but if a, if there's a mother in this situation uh, faced with the decision of whether to place her child for adoption or not, my advice would be to contact Saving Our Sisters. Um, it's an organization that helps mothers and stay with their babies instead of giving them up for adoption. Um, educate yourself on what this is really like from the mouths of adoptees who are out of the fog. Mm.
0: Um,
1: And really with that knowledge, because that's the knowledge that mothers are missing, It's what they're not told by agencies and lawyers and such. Um, Because if they were told that they'd be so much more likely to keep their baby, right? And then the agencies wouldn't make their money and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So um, really make sure you're educated and please, please try to keep your baby because your baby only, only wants you.
0: Mm. Um, how about a message to all parents who have adopted already? Um,
1: that you have um, participated in a system that is inherently abusive. Um, this child now has a birth certificate that is false. Um, and even if you're the greatest parents in the world, that shouldn't happen to anyone. Um, so you have participated in a system that is abusive, and you now need to do the work to educate yourself to make sure that you don't make it worse. Uh, I saw a thing recently that said, um, heal yourself, something like, heal yourself first so your children don't have to heal from having you as a parent. Um, And that's especially important for adoptive parents because um, you kind of have to do better, um, a a lot better. And you need to be very educated and informed on trauma. And so basically just so you don't make it worse, you're not going to get an adoptee that isn't traumatized, but you don't want to make it worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it's definitely so important for that message to be uh, amplified because yes, biological parents can screw their child up just as much, if not worse, than adoptive parents. But the difference is, adoptive parents have the luxury of like of investing their time and money like before they get the child because <laughs> um, sometimes biological. I feel like most of the times biological children. Uh, they weren't planned, um, so they just kind of happen. So mm-hmm. it could be a big rush for, pe- for parents to like figure out parenting and, and I get it, um, which that's like a whole nother conversation, but the difference is like with a parent who's looking to adopt, you have to go through so many hoops and you have such a long time period to learn everything you can before getting a child. So mm-hmm. you should be held accountable to learn everything that you need to learn before getting Mm -hmm. the child. Um, Whereas parents who just kind of pop out a kid, they might not have that luxury, I guess, if you want to call it. But um, (laughs) but, yeah.
1: And you need to become educated, not just on the mainstream, not what the adoption agencies are feeding to you, not what other adopters are feeding to you. You have to listen to adoptees. And uh, especially if you're infertile, Oh my God, if you don't get help for that first, and you think that the adoptee is going to heal you or heal your pain or whatever it is, don't do it. Do not do that to a child. Yeah. Cause that was part of my story as well. I was adopted by infertile adopters. um, And that was always put on me. That was always the story that I heard. if, If, you know, adoption ever came up. It was always about, you know, poor, woe is me. I couldn't get pregnant. Yep. You need to work on that first. Don't, don't do it to a child if you have not
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you have, and you're listening to this, like start Mm -hmm. making some changes, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. how about your message to young adoptees who are I don't know in their teens or or below who might be struggling with some of the things you struggled with.
1: I know this would be so out of their hands if they're young, but they need a therapist who's an adoptee. They need, um, a group of adoptees around them that, uh, can, they can bounce experiences off each other because someone who's raised by their biological parents has no idea what we're talking about. They don't know how sad it is for us to be at a family occasion and nobody looks like us. That seems like such a small thing that other people take for granted, but it's huge and it hurts, it's painful, and we need to be able to say those things to others around us who get it. Um, so, you know, that's why I'd say for young adoptees, they need an adoptee therapist. And they need um, a group of adoptees around, adoptee peers as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and just to add on that too, because I think there's a huge population of adoptees who will be in a, say, that exact situation at a a Christmas dinner, right? And all their relatives are, are there and no one looks like them. And there might be no, like, real feeling of feeling isolated or anything. Like, you might not feel like it's very painful, but there still might be that subconscious layer that you've just suppressed or you're unaware of that's like kind of digging at you every time you look at people and you know in the back of your head just knowing that you're adopted, you're not blood related to them. So I think just that subconscious layer also needs to be addressed because there's plenty of adoptees that I know who don't feel hurt. They, don't, they go to a family reunion and, and they're fine but they have issues that come out in different circumstances and they have issues that come out when they get rejected at a job interview or they have issues that come out when they're just reflecting on their own personality and their own self-worth and they think they're like a monster and then they don't realize, they don't make the connection. And it's like, you might not feel like, you know, and I guess that's what people are referring to in the fog and whatnot. But it's definitely a matter of introspection and self-reflection and just questioning, you know, does this affect me? Because it's so easy to say no if you don't feel any of those emotions. But then if you self-analyze yourself and look at how you react in certain ways and look at how you perceive your own self-worth, then you Mm -hmm. might come to realize, oh, shit, like, I'm not, like, looking at myself with such a great lens. Why is that? And then you right. can get into the argument of, you know, parenting, and what you had done to you and your experience. But I think it, it, it does tie into the adoption uh, at least somewhat. I don't know if we know the scale, to be honest, subject like objectively. I don't know if we can measure the scale of, of significance um, at separation, but it needs to be it can't be zero. Like you need to acknowledge mm-hmm. that it does affect yeah. all adoptees um, to some right. degree.
1: It does, whether they realize it or not. um, There is no such thing as an adoptee that didn't experience trauma, whether they realize it or not. And that's why the key is um, from a young age, we need a a therapist who is an adoptee also. And, And only working with adoptees on these adoptee issues because they might not be around anyone else who knows that this is going to be something that presents in their life as pain or or anything else. Yeah. Um so yeah, the, the adoptee star 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 adoptee therapist um is is key to help definitely with needs- those the grown without your natural family.
0: Yeah. There definitely needs to be more of them.
1: <laughs> yes. And it's too bad that there isn't a system to make sure that we all get the therapy we need because the facts are 100% of us have trauma. So 100% of us are gonna need help.
0: All right, well, how about one more message to all adoptees uh, who are adults?
1: Adoptees who are adults. Um, I think the same thing. I wish for you that you are able to get um help from a therapist who's an adoptee and find healing um, for trauma because it's so painful. It makes life miserable and we, we all need help with that. And then if you are an out of the fog adult adoptee and you are out there trying to spread the message continue doing so because Unfortunately, we're, the, we're a minority already because we're adopted, but then to be out of the fog and adopted, we're even further in the minority. So we need to continue to try to spread that me- this message so that in the future, um, there can be change, much needed change. Hmm. And so this is, this is part of that. What you're doing is part of that, and it's awesome.
0: Cool. Now, is there any other messages you, that you have or any, anything else you want to express?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: All right. Well, thank you for for joining, and thanks, everyone, for watching. Thank you. See you. Have a good one.
1: You too.